like and i had a conversation with someone who were like when people are complaining it's like well yeah they, they let him be the the national coach and i was like well who in argentina would say no to to, <laughs> to, right. to, no to, to, <laughs> to, to, to say hey i'm interested in that job hey you can say no but for the rest of your life you'll be known as the guy who said no and <laughs> and, and, and generations after generations will identify your family down the line as you so you may not make it out of your house ever yeah, again you, you, you might as well yeah. just re- relo- relocate somewhere else it's just not going to work the minnesota football show your regular dose of smart socially aware and occasionally snarky news and commentary about local national and international stuff. the minnesota football show co-hosts are sheila regan Bridget McDowell and Pablo Miranda, produced and co-hosted by Rodrigo Sanchez Chavaria and Eric Silva Brenneman. You can follow the Minnesota Football Show at MN Football Show on your social media platform of choice. Subscribe to and rate the Minnesota Football Show on iTunes. Um, welcome everyone to the Minnesota Football Show. <laughs> I'm joined here by myself, the wonderful Sheila, of course, Bridget, and back with a um, musical debut, right? You released an EP or a, a musical project? Yeah. You have Eric Silva. Benamel. Yeah, it's uh, Rojavopoulos is out on uh, ericsbmusica.bandcamp.com. Shouts to uh, the amazing lady Bridget there, one of my uh, supporters. <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. Appreciate you. Do what I can. <laughs> $5. You know, it, it, it all counts. There's the, the studio price kept going up and up, and I hit my ceiling Did and passed it. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, thank you. Of course. <laughs> Dave's, I know you, you follow us <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yes, thank you. Great. Great. Well, yeah, uh, I think we have to start with the, the big thing, right? We had some some really big news this week. We'll obviously talk about uh, more MLS and get everybody caught up. But uh, we lost one of the greats. We lost one of the gods, the gods of soccer, uh, a, a god that has almost been a, a co-host of sorts on this program. I, I feel like <laughs> his name comes up so often. He's He's a part of us. He's a part of the Minnesota football show. Diego Armando Maradona, dead at 60 um, on Wednesday. In fact, the day I released all that music, I, I planned that out like over a week ago. And I was just like, it happened. And I'm like, of course, the universe is going to throw that one on the same day I dropped the EP. You, you dropped the um, revolutionary action. You dropped the EP the same day that he passed away. Yep. And then what is it? Yep. Was it the same birthday as a... Uh... Uh, as uh, Fidel Castro too, or was it close? The enough? same, uh, same day he died. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Jeez. And um, it's called so Rojo, right? What's that? And it's got Rojo in it too. What's the title of your? The title of your? Oh, oh, project. well, sort of. It's it's actually Kurdish. It's a it's a Kurdish region, Rojavopolis. Yeah. Mm. So it's not anything Espanol. Oh, but, but what do you guys want to start? I mean, I I don't know how you want to break this thing down. Um, I mean, he's he meant so much to so many people. Such a a controversial yin and yang figure. Uh, amazing talent on the pitch. I think I described him as a as a tornado on the field and, and off the field and, you know, live, live life hard and die young. I don't want to do the second part, but he's certainly kind of a, 
representation of living life hard. I don't know who wants it. Who, who, who would like to start? How old was he, Eric? You know, he, he just turned 60, Sheila. We, we talked about his birthday on here, I don't know, a month, less than that, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. He just turned 60. Yeah, that is very young. Yep. So do we know, um, was it COVID related? Not COVID. He had a heart attack. He had been in the hospital. Well, it was uh, something brain related, right, Rodrigo? The last yeah, recently? so he, he had a, like a, a like a hematoma. So he had taken a fall from somewhere. Uh -huh. No one knows why, but it wasn't addressed. And so when he went into when he went in complaining of headaches and all these different things, like he went to the doctor and then they had to operate right away. And he was recuperating nicely from that. And then he went back home. Um, and then eight days later, she died of a heart attack. But this man have had several heart attacks within his lifetime. Right, right. His so, he he pushed that little body of his in in many ways that it should not have been pushed. <laughs> right. I think the interesting thing for me was um, relaying not relaying the information, but having somewhat of a conversation and showing videos to like my kids on the aspect of like what kind of a player this person was, right? Mm -hmm. And Issa Watch was like, oh my gosh, this is extremely talented. And I said, yes, extremely talented, but not the best example of a human being. I mean, in some ways, I pushed in some back ways, a little yes, bit In some ways, yes, in some ways, like it's not, it's yeah. not like, and, and I think and my question would have, it's always been about this, like if, if, if this would have happened during this era of social media and all different things that's asked. Oh man, can you imagine? <laughs> I, I don't. I think. I think we'd be talking about different stories, right? Because I mean, when yeah. he when he alleged alleged, right? Because because sure as hell it looks like he beat up his fiance Rocio, on that and that and that video, you know, he he was known for his violent outbursts, mm -hmm. right? But he also had a very extreme humble upbringing. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what a lot of people in the world mostly just gravitated to it, like. He was so pro, pro, pro people, pro get, you know, people what they deserve, yeah. right? What they need. Like I'm watching this documentary of Dorados, right? And like it's in Sierra Ninaloa and like all the rich people in Dorados have paid, you know, probably thousands of dollars per plate to come to this restaurant. And he doesn't want to come, right? But he brings his fiance, walks in with like the most loudest shirt you can probably think he, he it didn't even matter if he would have come in sweats it didn't wouldn't have matter right he only said one thing they passed him the mics and all he said is that we all should be fortunate we are privileged we all here are privileged because we have a home to go to we have an x y and z it's like we need to do more we need to do more each of, each of us need to do more so everyone else doesn't have this type of issue and that's all he said and i was like you're, you're and you're like this man knew what he had a good sense of humanity in his in a sense, but at the same time, his his choices were 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 not the best. So that's true. That's true. I think I I looked at it like he there's so many contradictions in it, and I think that's one of the reasons that everybody gravitates towards him is he's so human, and you just you recognize something in him that's that's different than athletes and stars and like the average superstar of today. It's just like you know that guy could be my neighbor, that guy could be one of my crew. Cause like you're saying bad decisions, but on the pitch, he was just unbelievable and 
quite frankly, never probably should have been as good as he was just because he doesn't have that kind of an athletic body. He was very short. He was a lot of times out of shape, just not training or anything like that. And yet, the, and yet the stuff he could pull off was just out of this world. And just watching that ball, like a magnet glued to his foot and the things he could do and literally taking on entire midfields and defenses and defenses. And you just see this wall, like six against one. And he's just like, let's go. I got it. And he would just cut through all of them. And then obviously like the negative sides too, of just the, the, the substance abuse, the violence against women. Um, there's, there's probably more, I'm sure. I mean, he, he essentially established his own drug trade when he started playing in, in, in Italy, <laughs> like having, I, I recently learned about this where he'd, he'd get his coffee shipped from, from Argentina and South America and the Coke was buried in the coffee beans. I mean, this what could you say about it? But then there, there's so many other good stories too. I mean, throughout this whole thing, like you said, he, he had a very developed class consciousness coming from poverty, uh, understanding, you know, radical left-wing theory. I mean, his countryman Che Guevara hanging out with Fidel Castro, supporting Hugo Chavez. I forgot that he, when Dilma was ousted in the, in the Brazilian coup, which I, I thought about you, Rodrigo, because it's pretty much the exact same thing that happened in Peru recently with the congressional coup and all that stuff. I mean, that's what happened with Juma. He was one of the first people to, to like give Juma aid and be like, yo, whatever you need, need a place. I'm, I'm here. I, I, I'm not blind. I see what's happening. I support you. He was there, you know? Um, and I think we're just going to be hearing more and more of these stories, right. of the good and the bad of, yeah. of and even larger than life character. Bad. Like watching the uh, HBO documentary. Mm-hmm. Like he was thrust into so much of that, and a lot of it was like, I mean, he ends up in Italy, doesn't doesn't know anyone, barely speaks the language. Uh, they end up like the Italian mob is essentially like grooming him to be their, <laughs> <laughs> their South American like link. Um, yeah. But he like he used that to his advantage and to his country's advantage too, and like used that to help people back home. Mm -hmm. So it feels like a lot of those, yeah, the shitty decisions. And if you look at some of that stuff, it just makes him look like a horrible human being. But then on the side, it's like, yeah, but he's not, uh, he didn't just do it to like get himself ahead or, you know, he wasn't like abusing that Mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, That documentary kind of like made a few things fall into place for me because yeah, Mm -hmm. I've only really heard like, bad stories i mean you see the you see the videos and then you hear the stories about him as a human being and for so long all we heard was the bad stuff sure i gotta see so. that i still haven't got a chance to see that one yeah well, well, it's like so erratic um when you uh, yeah. see videos of it. i mean yeah i mean he obviously was like hugely um in you know struggled with the addiction and i would i would not be surprised if that's why he died it's a huge part of it, I'm sure. It's huge, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we, I mean we, it even could have been like if he had recently been in the hospital and was recovering for that, uh, just like he was still using, like as recently as a few months ago. We've talked about. That. <laughs> we we saw the video. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's using coaching. on the sidelines. So yes. uh, once once you've been using that uh, long, like going off of it for any period of time, even if you're like in the hospital and they're doing interventionary medicine like that can be just as hard on the system as like the actual drugs can be so um 
I'm, I'm sure it didn't help. And uh, just trying to like stay clean for a few days to recover from COVID probably didn't help either. Did he have COVID? Uh, I'm not sure. Isn't that why they, that was the first report. Oh, um, okay. Interesting. Last I month, I think. Yeah, I but didn't, I didn't know before that. The, before the hematoma news came out, they were saying that that's what it was. I thought it was just a front, <laughs> but that's... it's quite possible. You know, just like I don't know. It's like because like, no I, like in Argentina, that. like 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 everyone is Diego's bodyguard and enabler. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah. Like and I had a conversation with someone who were like people are complaining, it's like, well, yeah, they, they let him be the, the national coach. And I was like, Well, who in Argentina would say no to to, <laughs> to, right. to no to, <laughs> to, 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 to say, Hey, I'm interested in that job. Hey, you can say no. But for the rest of your life, you'll be known as the guy who said no, and, <laughs> said no and, and generations after generations will identify your family down the line. As you so you may not make it out of your house ever yeah, again. You, you <laughs> might as well just re relocate somewhere else. It's just not going to work, right? And I think some of those things are like what makes it so, I think for me, I think it is, is that he felt out of all the athlete superstars that I've witnessed, he's felt the most flawed and human to me mm -hmm. than all the other ones. Right. And I think for me, it started, you know, I was born in 78. So that 86 world cup, I was merely eight years old and watching. Uh, and, 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 and to, to me, the whole thing was, was more of like started with a political thing aspect of it because mm -hmm. Peru was involved in supporting Argentina fighting after fighting off in the British in the Malvinas and that was yep. recently from that and having him be a factor a deciding factor because you know like as my mom says football is the greatest equalizer <laughs> uh, and uh, and in this situation it was it was it was it was magic realism all in a sense watching that game yeah Argentina should not have won that World Cup. I mean, no, he, no. he he essentially put the team on his back and took them to the final and lifted that cup. That was one of those instances where literally one player won the entire world championship. He did that. Right. In an era where like things that are happening now that were happened then would never happen now. Mm -hmm. Like this is an era where the referees or FIFA didn't take care of their players or their pitch. Like they played, they might as well be playing on dirt fields for all that matter. But the slide tackling, that going and trying to break legs and all these things yep. that were just part of normal. Like defense wasn't about positioning. Defense is about you take the guy, either the ball goes through or the guy, neither both, either one of those things. You don't break True. his arm. You didn't yeah. do your job. Right. No blood, yep. no foul. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> and so, and because there's, there's been some amazing things that he's been involved with in which he actually lost his temper, right? I remember he kicking somebody on the Brazilian team, I think. That was the one before 82. Yeah, he yeah. got red carded, kicked out of that one. And he was trying to go after somebody else. And then he totally mis misunderstood who it was and just cleated someone in the chest. I mean, that was, <laughs> and that's how it was. I mean, like, but as I was watching the, and I recommend that if you want to watch a Dorado's uh, documentary, like seeing him at his tail end aspect of it, it's like, you could tell, like, there's certain things that were wrong, but the passion that he had, the way that he connected with people and players, and he was always looking out for the players. Like, I was like, man, 
was like, I can see like, and I've joked along that I would love to have him as a coach, but honestly, right. He would take every <laughs> criticism. he take all the criticism. He says, I don't care what any, no one can speak about you guys. They can say it all to me. I heard it all. And like, and he got violent with some of them, right? Cause some of them were, so, you know, some of the, some of the fans over there were, were not happy with him. And so they were doing certain things, but his, his commitment, you know, even after like having surgeries and stuff like that, he still came back for a second season. And it was, it was one of those things where I was like, okay. And that was is... like the only way he could communicate. Like he, he wasn't all there, but if you saw him like talking to his team, or on the sidelines talking to anyone else um like everything he was saying and doing made sense as long as he was like in the stadium i've been listening to a lot of um, brazilian media and it, it's 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 interesting from their perspective because it's always is it pele is it maradona pele maradona this back and forth of who's the goat who's the goat and messi i think is is rightly in this conversation now as well um but you know, uh, an interesting consensus that kind of started to develop was kind of what we've already been discussing here is just the humanity with which Maradona was just lived his life so uh, outwardly, like everything, the good and the bad was on the table. We talk a lot about Pelé, almost like two different people, right? We, we, we say there's the Pelé on the field doing all the amazing stuff. And there's Edison, the the hyper-capitalist, the, the marketing magnet, just, you know, selling himself to the uh, military dictatorship, all that stuff. With Maradona, it's Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one person. You just get it all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of people in Brazil, I think surprisingly, maybe for people that might be hearing this, they appreciated that. Like, they're just like, you know, he's, he's real. And that's kind of the uh, electric magnetism of it all, I suppose. Um, there was this great thought experiment that one of them was talking about uh, on Mutomaisuki Futebol. He was saying, you know, if, if you took away the, the athletic talent that he had, he would still be, you know, he would still be the most popular guy in the hood. He would still be the guy that you want to hang out with. He would still be leading something. I mean, if, if, this, if this human existed in, in the Twin Cities today, you know, he'd be leading every single supporters group <laughs> from Minnesota United. You know what I'm saying? He'd, he'd be the first one in at the black heart and the last one out passed out, like probably on every substance imaginable, but, but you'd want to be around him. You know what I'm saying? You just want to see what's, what's going to happen next. Yeah. What's he going to do? <laughs> he's probably not really that fun to be around, honestly. Uh, I don't know. I think I want to be around to the attic. They're not really that fun. Towards <laughs> the beginning of the night, and then everyone leaves because they don't want to deal with them later. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's it. Maybe. It's like, but it's, I, like but, the, but it, it's like the uncle you like having at parties, only like to a certain level, and and when they take out the belt and tie themselves to the post because they're that drunk and I got to stay up. That's when you're like, yeah, you got to go. So like, I, I, I thought it was an interesting. Go ahead. A couple of the tweets I saw were like, this is the uncle you invite to Thanksgiving because he's your uncle, but, but. you really want him to be the first one to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting thought experiment, like that he would still be, you know, a, a, a popular figure, even even without the, the football talent, I think. Somehow he would emerge. I, I mean, I, I think if he had the platform, I think his talent gave him the platform to be outspoken. That's, that's the that's thing, it. yeah. Like, that's, that's why the world recognizes him. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just generally I don't I don't love the sort of cult of personality or like the um, worshiping people 
even if they're talented at something or they're like fun to be around not to like speak ill of the dead or anything but i just like that just like sort of irritates me yeah i don't i don't think i, I want to canonize or like sainthood maradona for that sense i mean i think a whole country probably already's done that um for what the determination but like i, I just find it really interesting um the whole conversation of different type of people and what lets them to be to get that kind of recognition like I, we know his talent was but it, for me it was just like there has to be something in addition to just talent that that that, that lets you that lets you be that kind of kind of kind of impactful person right and i mean for me it's just you know having to have you know having to have um personal experiences you know relationship with my with my old man like we don't really like we're not the, the speaking type right you know, like you know hi hello goodbye how are you that's it pretty much right you know and but whenever football came on it was a whole different conversation so like and the one thing we could always talk about was 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 number 10 right and i think that's that's the other thing too i think for him being a small guy and i'm a small guy and my kids are small players to see what they can do and the ability to that's also something that 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 arrived to it but yeah you know i think he was flawed as anyone or worse but he but but he was a human that tried to live his life as best that he knew how and unfortunately he could only enjoy 60 years of it i guess yeah, to be clear, I, I I don't want to say that I that I'm proud of his addiction stuff. That that didn't mean to try no, to no, I imply just, any of that. No, I didn't mean to say that you did. I'm okay. just saying, I'm just saying, I am like, I'm just wary of sure. like hero worship. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. Uh, especially uh, in sports. Well, just generally. Well, here's here's the reason I appreciated him, and it was. I guess, again, because I'm coming from that Pele framework and just hearing about it as a kid and until basically present, um, Maradona always took a stand. I mean, you didn't have to necessarily agree with them, but he would tell you exactly what he thought. And a lot of times it was a, it was a politically conscious and, and, and left wing kind of perspective, which was really, really refreshing where Pele wouldn't say anything. He'd just be like, you know, when do I get paid? What do I have to do? What do I have to say? <laughs> Pele, or uh, Maradona, rather, there's, there's so many instances. One of the ones I was talking about briefly on, on KFAI yesterday, one of my favorites, and MJ actually pulled this up. There's a nice thread going on, on the Twitter of people's favorite Maradonas. He's, he's talking to uh, Pope John Paul in, in the Vatican, and he looks up. And he sees the, the gold-plated ceilings, and he says, quote, I've been to the Vatican, I've seen the ceilings, and then I hear the Pope saying that the church was concerned about poor kids. So sell the ceilings. you got nothing going for you. You're only a goalkeeper, which apparently he was a goalkeeper, the Pope. I mean, that, that's the shit that he would do. Like, he, I, he understood his position and his platform, and he knew he could get away with that kind of stuff, and he would just tell it like it is. Yeah. I appreciate that. I was going to ask... Um just in terms of him as a player um you know what do you think was his his legacy just as in terms of his technique you want you want to start with rigo i mean ball control for one yeah, i think that thing would just never leave his foot i think ball control his um his fierceness of not dribbling specifically at at players and defenders and just the 
the understanding of 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 where space was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been there's been plays where he knows he's gonna pull two or three people, and as they're running towards him, he nutmegs them for a pass if someone else is wide open. I mean, whether or not they score on that play is just one of those things that you have to be aware that's going to happen, and to have that all function in a snap of uh, of your fingers, right? To to have it be that fast and understand that it's 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 extremely unique, and I think his brothers knew that, right? He had something else. It was just, you know, the right amount of everything that he needed to be able to to do that. Yeah. And I think just, you know, if if you look at the at at the second goal, was the second goal in England when he made that run? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, starting from one end to the other. Yeah, and like <laughs> running to that kind of crazy pitch and having the ball just stuck to his feet and dribble through people and able to score. I mean, that was one of those things that that um that you can't really see too often too way and 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 I'm, I'm i'm here to say that every other player should try to be better than maradona because i don't think no one we shouldn't try to do that i think everyone should be their own and i think messi is their own cup capable player and i don't think that and i think maradona understood that he needs to be the best Messi he can be and not be him i think that was the kind of like agreement and relationship they have between each other uh, and of course, everybody wants to know who the next person is, and I think there's no there's no one going to be. The situation was was right where it needed to be. It's a once in a lifetime type of thing, and um, that's it. Yeah, I picked up some some fun highlights. I mean, there's obviously been lots of tributes on on Twitter and social media. I think we all basically retweeted this one from Nutmeg Radio from when it gets so good. He says, Diego Maradona is also an all-time legend for how much he made an entire generation of English people suffer and complain about not following the rules. And for that alone, the world owes the man a huge debt of gratitude. It's perfect. It's so good. Because like you said, I mean, not only did he embarrass him, the whole Malvinas thing is happening in the background. And like <laughs> millions of people are still haven't forgiven him but it was it's spectacular and every every headline about him dying that came out of england like mentioned that <laughs> like they couldn't just say like you know world-renowned footballer you know anything like that it was always that one guy who made us lose this game well <laughs> england has a chip on their shoulder about argentina anyway because of the fall yeah. yeah. that's what i'm talking about that that was the background you, malvinas you, in espanol it's the same thing falkland malvinas yeah, the yeah. whole situation is extremely like hurtful. Because <laughs> I remember as a kid, it was like, well, what, why are we sending people to Argentina? And we're like, this is why. And I was like, oh, okay. So. Um, the the tweet of God, of course. I just got my hand back. Classic there. <laughs> um, so there've been there've been three days of mourning in in Buenos Aires. Well, in the entire country of Argentina, but especially in Buenos Aires, and. Of course, uh, when millions of people take the streets, uh, the, the state usually responds with with paranoia and fear. So there was police repression on uh, Thursday, and the cops obviously formed their their bar- barricade and started to try and kettle these people. And it was probably like a thousand, which quickly became like five thousand. Just like, look, you're <laughs> Buenos Aires, like. Argentines in general, and especially uh, from Buenos Aires, the Porteños, have a long history of direct action, just in general. And now they're mourning basically their most famous person, probably the the god of the entire city and country, and and, and you're going to try and repress them. Good luck with that. 
it's it's a recipe for watching that video it was it was funny how as the cops got more and more like into it the crowd just got louder and there were more flares and more chants and just more craziness but yeah i'd have to that's one of those times when you really want to see like what the the police and the special forces were thinking as they were doing it because you have to think they're they're probably in the same mindset right up well, at, that's right yeah at some point they just gave up because a few hours later i was i was checking back and looking at different journalists on the ground and the casa rosado the cap the uh president's palace was just full of people so they they just backed off and like go <laughs> go yeah, ahead just let them go for a couple of days yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah I, that, feel, I think that it, that uh it's kind of inevitable that it would get to that point right yeah exactly um uh, we didn't mention his influence in well we briefly talked about italy but i mean napoli man Na- napoli is is mourning as well he's also kind of their legend and god and and apparently uh there's the, the big thing there was they they play at the uh the sao paulo is the name of their stadium and the joke was they're going to change the name from a saint to a god it's now going to be called maradona stadium or shortly will be and I don't know if you saw the tribute. They played their Europa League match on Thursday, the day after he passed. And the entire team kind of pulled the I am Spartacus and wore Maradona Diez uh, in, in tribute of him, which I thought was pretty dope. And they won the match as well, but pretty cool. Going going back to uh, the uh, demonstrations in, in, um, in Argentina, Mm-hmm. There was this in that thread that you had you were responding to or email or tweeted it out. There is there is a video in which the uh, the uh, they were chanting right, and I couldn't figure out exactly what it was, but then I finally figured it out, and they were chanting, "If you're not jumping, you are British." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> And that's how so deep good. this whole thing goes. So that's good. how deep this goes. Like, like you can see thousands of people. Like, it was a, it was like watching a wave of people just going up and down, and all the and all their chanting is, "If you're not jumping, you you are British." And so I was yep. like, yep. "Wow, that's great." Yep. Um, through the Twitter, Twitter, the, the, the Twitter thread. Try that one again. Um, so Lee uh, says one of his favorite moments is Maradona calling George W. Bush human trash. Uh, he also had a great quote, quote, I hate everything about the U.S. I hate it with all my strength, unquote. We talked about the Vatican. Um, Zeller brought up uh, this one. I, I, I remember this in the moment, but I forgot until yeah. now. You, you want to take it, Bridget? It's, it's tied to Minnesota United. <laughs> you brought it full circle. So, uh, so the Gallagher brothers are in Argentina. They must have been doing a show of some yeah. sort. And they're out at a club and talking with the uh, interpreter and who should walk in the door but Maradona surrounded by his whole crew um, and as as the brothers described them women of the night uh, <laughs> they, they go upstairs to a room and the guys say you know we'd, we'd really like to meet them we'd like to say hi so the interpreter goes and works it out with them and they get upstairs and there's kind of a, a little tussle going on. And the interpreter says, yeah, so he's okay with you being up here as long as you don't take any of his women with you. So, so they say, 
all right, well, you know, we'll say hi and we'll leave. But uh, he had said that if they left with any of his women, that he would shoot them. So I think it was, was it Liam who posted that uh, I met him not once, but twice, and he threatened to shoot me in a bar. And that's all he said about the story. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, my favorite, one of my recent favorite moments uh, from Maradona was uh, watching actually in this Dorados. He's doing a post-game interview and they're like asking him why he came back second season. It's like, well, what else are you going to talk about? Right. He's like, what else are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about Trump? And he goes, you're going to talk about that, uh, that muñeco de goma, that, that, uh, that, that I was a muñeco is like a doll of, of, of wax, you know, and then that's what he referred to as Trump. <laughs> like the whole, like, the whole, like, interview, like, the, the, the press was, like, laughing after he said that. And he goes, this is why I came back, because you wouldn't be talking about anyone else. And so I was like, his, his jabs at politicians and, like, political figures were always one of my favorite things to do. He uh, he also briefly, um, MJ brought up the whole talk show thing that he had for, what was that, like a year or two? He made that little transition. And then his big one was he had Pele on as a guest. And everybody's like, oh, it's going to be fireworks, the two big rivals. And it was actually like super chill. They were very respectful. And they spent a lot of time talking. I, I think shortly before the, the interview, Pele's son had been had been arrested on, a, on like a trumped up drug charge or something like that. And and uh, Maradona was like really sympathetic and showing his solidarity and talking about, you know, whether it's cops in Brazil or cops in Argentina or cops anywhere else, they'll they'll do what needs to be done to terrible things to people of color and da 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 da. And, you know, I'm here for you if you need it. And it was it was a great interview. And it seems yeah. it seems like those two are like actually friends um, mm -hmm. and judging from some of the tweets that Pele put out after his death. I mean, yeah, he was he was broken up. Yeah. I mean, these these two guys, it's you wouldn't think that they can really, no one can relate to their level other than the two of them to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Just the lives that they've led um, in football and otherwise. Uh, so yeah, to see the two of them together is always. Um, how, how close are they in age? Led just turned 80, so 20 years. Mm -hmm. I wonder, do they ever play each other? I think for charity stuff they did. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Argentina and Brazil never matched up in that period, but No, no, their their timelines were there's too many years there. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but I think they, they have for fun. A lot of those same like uh charities and movements right. and things. Do you remember when exactly. um when Maradona went to Bolivia and played a played a charity sort of type of thing with Evo Morales as one of mm -hmm. as one of in order to prove to FIFA that Bolivia could host a game because everybody didn't believe, didn't want them because of the altitude, right? And eventually FIFA says it can host a game. And then the next year, Argentina goes to play in Bolivia and loses six to one. <laughs> Amazing. Oops. Oh, so good. Well, thank you everybody that, that chimed in on Twitter. I'm sure there'll be, there'll be many more things to say, but uh, big loss. Uh, well, just a wild, amazing life uh, full of lots of ups and lots and lots of downs. But uh, yeah, RIP Maradona, Maradona Interno, I guess. We'll, we'll take a little break. We'll come back and we'll do uh, MLS is still drunk, has, has not recovered playoffs. And uh, we'll go from there.
Hi, this is Lisa Watch, and no, you must be tuning because I am definitely not blessing your ears in this podcast. Anyways, back to the Minnesota football show. And we are back to the Minnesota football show. Um, we will be talking about the aspect of how MLS is still drunk, mm-hmm. how um, how Sheila's uh, predictions of like eventually all this not even happening, like a final is coming closer and closer to fruition. It's true. With um, what Columbus has, not, Columbus has now six positive tests, right? Is, is that, that right? I heard four last time. They added some more. So they, they added oh a couple, yeah. Oh so like uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a whole different mess within its mouth. We st- we saw USL in a championship uh, final being canceled and never have to be played again. Um, you know, it's looking that at one point either we're gonna have an MLS team forfeit because of COVID, and or we could be playing um, uh, MLS in March or in February somewhere, depending um, how everything else goes, but. Hopefully Australia or New Zealand, where there is very little COVID. <laughs> you want to bring you want to bring our diseases to New Zealand? Shame well, that, yeah, that that'd be the issue. They wouldn't let an, let let entire teams come in, would they? That too smart. I, just, um, I was looking at the, you know, I, I I've been trying to I've been basically trying to block it out for months now, but you know, when the pandemic first started, I just was like obsessed. And I just, I really haven't been paying attention at all. But I finally, I finally just like went back and looked at, at the numbers and stuff. And when you look at the US compared to like basically every single other country, it's just so like, what is wrong with us? Like literally what's wrong with us? And that's what we're the so world. far, we're so far worse than every country by far (laughs) and yet so many had to travel for thanksgiving and for holidays and it's yeah the rest of the world this week was asking what like what is wrong like you you should be shutting down you've given us trouble about you know trying to fix things and they're looking at us like moving on with their lives like nothing's happening Mm -hmm. when obviously it's not the case. I mean, there's there's a lot to say there, Sheila. Um, centuries of of rugged individualism, that whole mythology of of entire separate uh, realities and beliefs. Um, it's, I mean, the fake news and all that too. But it but it's it it goes deeper than that too. I mean, you can't talk about that without race and class. Um, it's just it's it's an entire failure of the of the system i guess to be to keep it simple but yeah. it's deep yeah I, I i've got some friends in uh in australia new zealand that are you know they're, they're, they're playing matches uh a martial artist buddy of mine is like on the mats training no big deal no mass no nothing like all right must be nice <laughs> um well let, let's let's bring it back here so uh, a- after we talked about uh, Orlando and and the the amazing goalkeeper extraordinaire that is Rodrigo Schlegel, <laughs> Orlando City had the uh, awesome wherewithal, I suppose, to put out a Schlegel keeper jersey, which I'm sure will be a collector's item. 
pretty they spectacular. Sold out in like less than 24 hours. Say that again. They sold out in less than 24 hours. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. And and they won't have um, Pedro Gallese. So the appeal right. for his red card was way was uh, unheard. So then there therefore he won't be playing. Yikes! So it makes it extremely interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the West. We'll do Minnesota in a second. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch SKC San Jose and other bananas one. I don't know who wants to take it. Um, I know, I know this one kind of was was back and forth for a little while. Uh, 90 stoppage time goal with with Busio and uh, amazing goal, but then they take like two or three minutes celebrating, which of course the ref is is tabulating and adding on. So their extra time is, is keep, you know, it's accumulating and accumulating and it's three, two at this point, which gives Wando <laughs> the, the <laughs> tiny window that he needed. He only needed like 30 seconds and they gave him like yeah. an extra two minutes. <laughs> so he scores in the 97th as only Wando could do to, to tie the thing up, send it all the way to PKs again. And then uh, Tim Malia basically just, I'm what no sweat. He just shows up and says, I'm going to end this thing in three and does just saves all three shots. That's like miraculous. That's superhuman. It's not the first time he's done it either. Right. Right. I, I heard yeah. about that. Yeah. So he, he did it with uh Charleston battery. Was it? Yep. Yeah. And so, so the only two times in the history of North American soccer that's happened, it was Tim Millia that did it both right. times. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. You figured you get you get some sort of call up, right? <laughs> national <laughs> team or something. Hey, this guy's like, you know, sometimes I wish like national teams would, would do like the are you guys seen hardball? Yeah. Like oh, take yeah. that approach in the aspect. So hardball is a movie where like you base everything about stats. So if Oh, I, if, oh the, the the Oakland A's guy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so that would be one of those things that we it'd be really interesting to make a team just based on that, like you know, like this guy saves, you know, 80% of his, of, of, of his PKs are shot, but, but you can't shoot at him from face to face. He'll, he'll let every one of them in. So it's like play him situation wise. Anyways, this game was nuts. That movie is called Moneyball. Moneyball. Oh, no, sorry. Hardball is the one with, uh, that's Chris Hayes. Or Chris <laughs> Matthews. Chris Matthews. No, 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 money, money, money ball. No, hardball is with, uh, is that the one with Keanu Reeves? Well, the, there was a TV show called um, Hardball with uh, Chris Matthews on MSNBC. Oh no, I don't. I never watched that. So this is reference to the Keanu Reeves movie that I have seen. So, <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyway, there's. Uh, but Moneyball is the one with Brad Pitt. There yes. you go. That's it. Yeah. Moneyball. Thank you. Thank you. I've been watching too much. Not, but not really li- paying attention to titles. Apparently, <laughs> the only thing Anything I was else, missing else, from. Yeah, go ahead. Anything that was missing from it was the um, the aerosol uh, paint away spray scene that happened in the MLS tournament when they when they when they yeah that would have been perfect after that Wando goal. But Wando w- yeah. was having a great game, and I think one of my favorite things about this whole thing was when the uh, interview Peter because he had talked to Wando for like seemed like a good couple of seconds, and he goes, "Well, he told me he's coming back." So apparently, and 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 then Peter Vermees told everybody else. So, so no pressure there, Wando. Go ahead. Well, he was, oh, he was already hardball, saying hardball. You're right. Hardball is moved. Two thousand one. 
Sorry. But it's all you. It was bugging you, right? It was bugging you. You were trying to figure that out. One of the papers in California had already reported that Wanda was talking about coming back for another season. He said he wanted one more. Um, so yeah. the, that night it wasn't really news. They He just uh, enforced it to the um to was it espn that night or fox whoever they were questioning it um but yeah he's i would expect to see him again 2021 he's considering nice. 2020 is uh, a season that doesn't count so right on uh let's move to uh minnesota united and talk about this match so fangmar put something out too of, of course i forgot to actually pull the thing up but he was talking about apparently they're targeting a striker and I want to say the Serbian league. Is this correct? I don't know if you guys saw this one or not. Yeah, he, um, um, a Serbian national, Milan Pavkov. Okay. Um, it's it's listed as a as a target for 2021. So, I think he plays for FC Crevenza. Uh, but this, I mean, I, I, I mean, like I'm a, you know. He seems like he's an older player that might want to get a restart somewhere else, but I don't know health-wise how how reliable he, they may be. So yeah, and and if a, a certain Christian Ramirez ends up uh, becoming more of a priority, maybe it doesn't even happen in the first place. Eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> we'll pay attention to that. But let's talk about this match. So we had our our playoff match. And I was very worried and paranoid about a week ago. Um, unfounded paranoia ended up being a huge Minnesota win, 3-0. Um, kind of started out shaky, as tends to be the case. We, we had Dotson filling in uh, right back for Metinair. He was like the one that didn't make it back. We had Lud at the, at the false nine again. Um, first four minutes or so Colorado probably should have scored. There was a lot of, uh, midfield confusion. I put here midfield collapse, uh, coming straight down the middle. And that was, that was making me a little nervous. What, what did you guys think? Like the first 10, 15. That's, you know, I, I think our paranoia was well founded for like that first 10 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of proved that right. <laughs> um, yeah, the, all of the, uh, you know, role fillers that we had in slightly different positions than they've than they filled before. Um, it took them a while. I think it helped having Boxy back in. Yeah. Um, we were still missing Metinair, but everyone else who you know we had talked about maybe not being available, they were all in. Um, so it it was slightly better than I expected in that they kind of were able to clean it up after that like first 10 minutes. Colorado got dangerously close and I think that kind of snapped everyone awake. Like, oh shit, right. we need we need to straighten this straighten this up a little bit. Like um, again a common theme. They always need to get woken up at some point. That's yeah. <laughs> and luckily this luckily it doesn't take like that opening 10 minute goal. It just just requires, you know, a, a reasonably close chance for them to realize, mm-hmm. you know, what they're missing and what they're doing wrong. So yeah. Um, any, anything you saw, Rodrigo, before we talk about the goal in the first 15? I mean, I, I, I knew that Colorado, it was expected that Colorado was going to try to press us, right? 
just specifically because who we had on our back line, right? You had Boxy who just come back after a couple of games. You had the Bossy playing center back. Even though you had you had Chase playing on the left, and we always knew Chase is always a target. And you had uh, uh, Dotson coming back, getting a full, getting a full star after being out of injury, right? So, so the idea is we're going to press, right? We're going to go at it as hard as we can and see if. We, if Creating chaos will lead them somewhere. Unfortunately for them, it I don't know how many times you can get so close and not score. It's just one of those things where like somebody blessed uh I don't know what, what DSC is doing, but like he's doing he's gotta have some sort of like uh any some sort of like ritual that he does with the goalposts wherever he does that because just those things are on his side, that's for sure. <laughs> Very true. It's very true. The, the um, way that they exploit the uh, the right side missing met in there, and 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 how crazy is it? Like you don't, we don't talk about met in there all that much, but when he's gone, uh, there's a massive gap. No matter who you put there, and Colorado knew that, and they went at that for, right. from the whistle. I uh, put that you, in, but I also I also want to say that we had much better crosses than we did. That's, and less amount of crazy crosses coming from that side than, yeah. than we're used to expecting. I also think too that um, also having um, like if, if I would have known all these players were coming back, then I, I would have put Lude up there instead of Schoenfeld or Kai Kamara. But I just don't, I'm not a big fan of um, Dotson being a right back as much as other people are. Yeah. I think he's a great utility player, but I think at one point you have to say, this is what you're going to play. And I don't know how that midfield is going to look for us last year because Gregorich after coming Gregorich is, is becoming a stronger pl- player towards the end uh, of the season and I think that's that's good but it also creates a lot of uh, issues specifically if we don't know um, what's going to happen with uh, you know some of the other players like Ozzy or um, who else uh, we, we haven't seen Edwards Jacory Hayes doesn't get much time and we see all the potential that can happen in there but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I put in here as well. I'm not sure who their left winger was, but I think early on, like in that first four minutes we were talking about, he burns uh, Dotson pretty good. And then from then on, he's just like, I'm just going to go straight at him every time. And not always successful, but he, he made him work for that whole half. Oh, yeah. Um, so 22nd minute, Molino off of a throw-in, um, gets to uh, Bebelo and – is this an intentional pass? Cause he's, he's falling down basically at the top of the key. And is, is, is it a pass or is it just Molino knowing that the ball is going to somehow get to him? But I mean, he, he gets it off of as, as Bebelo is basically falling down, probably would have been called for a penalty, but Molino is right there to one time it and score. So I guess I my think, question is, go ahead. I was going to say it's, it's his reading of space again. Like okay. as we've said before, um, he knows that Molino's up there. Uh, and it's, he was lucky that it didn't get picked off because it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, but Molino knew exactly where he was. Babylon know, knew where Molino was and he was right there to grab it when the ball squirted out. So, right. um, I mean, could it, it was have, a pretty dope heads up play. Like I, I, I saw it in the replay and I'm just like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, at game speed. It was like, wait, did that just happen? And you have to go yeah. back and replay it. And yeah, it's, 
crazy. Yeah. Right. The, the interesting thing about this whole sequence is we've talked about how successful these attacking four have been, right? But the fact that we don't, and the fact that we don't really need a forward, right? We just need to be able to yeah. create chaos in the attacking third. And all these midfielders are creating chaos everywhere, giving Reynoso all the space that he can have to be able to, to do X, Y, and Z. And the situation of the throw-in, you have Finley almost 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 to I think almost a goal no, to the corner flag. And you have everyone else spatter enough that's dragging enough pressure. And now that Bebelo, people know what Reynoso can do, like he drags two people, which then leaves uh, which is leave Molino wide, literally wide open, one person, one v one, right, with all the space in front of him to do something. Yep. And so the fact that Molino and Reynoso know how to play with each other, that uh, is that a Beckenbauer that he did? Maybe I'll, I'll go with a Beckenbauer. Yeah. It was a Beckenbauer pass, and then what Reynoso is good to is drawing contact and positioning himself to get fouled. And as he was turning himself to do that, to get fouled, uh, either inside of the box or the outside of the box, uh, he kind of passes the ball like right before he gets fouled. And then Molino had just happened to be able to be aware of that same channel and he just took yeah. it and then yeah. he shot the ball. The one thing I, I like about Molino is that he makes the harder shots or harder scoring opportunities look easy like this one. But the easy ones <laughs> frustrates the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> Even in this game, he had a couple of sitters that, and so did Reynoso. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that one next, I think. Yeah, um, but yeah, Molino always makes those runs, and it's just a matter of getting him the ball, and no one can ever slot the ball in that in that way because um, he sees those faces that no one else does. But Reynoso's got you know, there's so much alike. It's kind of crazy how well they play yeah. together. But yeah, Reynoso, that he. They were going for his shins and his ankles again, and he was able to exploit that pretty well. I think it, the front four could see that and exploited it. At what do you time. mean, um, Bridget, when you say they that he exploited it? Well, they they all know that you know Reynoso have two or three guys on him, just hacking away at him, trying mm -hmm. to get him down. Um, but he's those passes, like the one that he made there. He's made a few of those. And they now know, like, they can see those spaces that open up when those guys start going after Reynoso. I see. So, so, so it's like it's like a magnet. They all are attracted to right. him, and then yep. put it elsewhere. It was it was always just a matter of someone else seeing the space that that created, mm -hmm. and so many times they weren't able to see that. But Molino makes those runs anyway. He yeah. saw that channel open up. He knew exactly where the ball could come out, and he went for it. Anything on this uh, goal, Sheila, that, that anything else? Any comments? Nope. You see it? Right on. Um, about 10 minutes later, Bebelo should have put this thing away. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember where it, it started from, from the midfield and it gets to Lud and he burns at least, I think he burns two defenders, if I'm not mistaken. He gets it to Bebelo and basically, did he burn the keeper too? Because it was like an open net, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, he Yarbrough was way off his line. That's he what it was. Ball. Yeah. And somehow he hits the post. <laughs> brutal. Just brutal. Well, we oh. didn't sign him because he could score. So Yeah, well, that's there's um I'm moving down a little bit. I'm going to the uh towards close to the halftime whistle. Dane St. Clair just had this baller move where it it, it got a little it got a little tense again where uh the, the offensive pressure was breaking down the defense. 
and it ends up being a one v one. And he he says, "Okay, I'm going for it." Steps out. It. Yep, I got it. Slide tackles, dude, and just the ball never leaves his foot. It, it was clean. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And he just he he, he kind of gathers it back in and restarts like it was no big deal. But whoo, I mean, very could, very risky like veteran up. keeper move. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, like you can pick up from the field, Mike. Like how he hit him, it was like cleat to cleat and mm-hmm. just gets the ball right there. You can hear his his glove smack <laughs> all coming out. Right. Um, yeah, it was not something you expect to see out of the. 22 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence. Lots of confidence. And and he, and he's had his great moments like that where he, Mm -hmm. and he's had moments where he doesn't, you know, he comes out too far or he doesn't know when to come out or times it. So like, it's all like getting reps. And I think um, he's getting that. And I think, you know, right now, like it's, it's um, Miller's job to, to, to win over at this point. I think, I think, when you find young talent and they're working and they're, they're only going to get better in a sense. And that's what you go with, but you know, DSC had some, yeah, that, that leg safe was great. I mean, that's you, you know, you should have, you should have put something like that away and the fact that they were doing that. Yeah. But that was, that was great. So does that take us to the uh, 54th minute, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping into second half now. 1-0 at halftime. And, uh, well, I, I, I want to mention 51st where um, Colorado, once again, on an offensive break, <laughs> typical situation. We talk about those first five to ten minutes of the restart. And it basically looks like it's going to be another 1v1. And I think he actually has DSC beat on this one. And Grey Goose just comes sprinting from, <laughs> from midfield. And at the last second, he's able to cleanly – kicked the ball which is kind of amazing because i thought he was just going to like yeah. destroy the guy um and 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 yeah he he gets it cleared like literally at the last second it was, it was a and pretty way, amazing save it only worked because he had just the right spin on that ball because that was yeah it looked like it was just gonna boomerang right back into the goal right um, right that, that was another one where dane kind of mistimed that like he was trying to do the same thing that he did mm-hmm. in the first half and just couldn't get there and he was way too far out they got right behind them yeah, Jan comes out of nowhere and just comes flying in there, smokes that ball. He's, he's probably still mad for the fact that someone stepped on his on his beautiful forehead and and didn't get a red card out of it. I would be. I would an, be an, an angry an angry Jan is the best Jan on the field. Well, it is kind of rude. Yeah, it's just a little bit. bit. Just a little we, bit. We came to find too that apparently Heath told them at halftime you need to defend like your life's like your uh, life depends on it and and to their credit they did and um yeah. we were ta- we were talking about this bridget we were chatting back and forth we saw Reynoso a number of times i don't know if i put them all in here but he was all over the place he was oh, running yeah. back back to the defense he was yeah. running through midfield i mean he was everywhere and and he i, he, I know he's to, done go ahead yeah he was hoping to clean up that right side especially yeah because um, dotson was really stuck you know back on his line um, and not able to press forward as much like we normally see of him uh, when yeah. he's in any other defensive role. Um, so Rain also filled in that gap really well. Yeah. And he, I mean, he can take on two Colorado players who are making the press and do a little toe poke and grab the ball back and open up spaces that our midfield could not find, you know, if their lives depended on it um, previously. Right. So it was it was a nice shift to see that because that's where the 
you know, we've seen that fall apart so many times going into halftime up one zero only to see it fall apart because the midfield just can't quite clear the ball or can't right. quite turn it around. And Reynoso's like, all right, I got this. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, credit to Colorado. They, they knew that if they would take the ball wide to us, then we'd have to spread our, mm-hmm. our, our defense also as well as our as our midfield. And yeah. Reynoso has always been a scrappy player. Like, we've seen yeah. how many times he's been taken down, but he's also willing to take down people too. And so he's that, – that's a – that's an added bonus, I think. Like gets yeah. uh, doesn't get mentioned as often as it should. The fact that you have you know a star number ten that we can actually yeah. st- is okay with beating the crap out of somebody every once in a while. <laughs> you know, he yeah. especially this game sometimes still kind of remind me in midfield of Ibsen on the you know on the ground just dancing around trying to get the ball out and get the ball away or keep the ball or. You know, whatever he needs to do, except, you know, he's not flailing around and asking for a yellow card afterwards. Um, so. Right. <laughs> or, or just or just passing to the opposing midfielder. Exactly. That was the other Setting thing. up the goal. Actually, you know, he finishes the job. He doesn't just, like, get down there and, like, wait, I want to keep this ball. Um, this is like Ibsen 5.0. That's what this is. <laughs> exactly. He finishes uh, well, the job. But, yeah, when he starts it off, it's like. Shit, that's you know that's the same thing we saw from Ibsen and what we love to watch at midfield was you know coming back from the from the counterattack to run back and you know dance around underneath two opposing players and get the ball back. Um, but yeah, he knows how to turn it around and finish. That's a game. great that's a great segue because uh, there's a there's an attack from Colorado that look that looks like it's going to be a break and then it immediately gets flipped on the counter. Um, I can't remember where this whole thing starts. It happens so fast, but it, it, we keep talking about Bebelo again. It's going to go through Bebelo. Of course it does. I think it starts on the left, maybe with Molino, and then Molino to Bebelo centrally, and then he passes it off right as Lud is making his run diagonally, and Lud one-times it, scores in the 53rd. Did I get that right, or did, does it start further back? I can't remember where that one starts. No, I, think, I, I, I think that's right. Molino was way back there. I think he's the one who picked it off. Okay. I think I had written down Debassi. I think Debassi oh, stepped Debassi. up and picked wow. it up, and then he passed it off. Then, but regardless, I think in that situation, if you look at it, like Colorado on our counter attack, they only had like three defenders running back, and we had oh like, yeah, they, five attackers. They were <laughs> ill like, prepared. Yes, it was like five attackers, <laughs> and we're like, oh well, this is not going to go both well, right? They did, they did not plan for the four man front line. <laughs> well, yep. and, that, and that's the thing too. That's my thing is like, why do we need a forward? at this moment right wait till everyone figures out how to play a four man a four midfield front until it doesn't work anymore right i mean literally you you needed to work for at least one more game right and i think that's the beauty of this of this of this four man attacking thing is that it's like rotating rotating chairs of what position is where and where like all these guys interchange positions like there's times when molina was kind of functioning as a false nine Right in this situation, he kind of was, and then that's how the Lude got the ball, and Lude would like on his on his on his left foot. On his left, that's right. Yeah, that's it's one of probably one of my favorite things to watch is watching him come in from the right and shoot with his left, and 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 you know Danny Wilson, who is not the greatest defender of the world, that's twice he gets owned in this in 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 this area, and I think one of the things for for, for if you're defending the Loons, and I'm sure. SKC knows this is like if Lewitt gets the ball on the right, make him switch his foot. 
Yeah. <laughs> don't cut him into goal. That's bad. <laughs> Push him don't out. do that. Push him all the way right. <laughs> or, or if you're listening, SKC, please cut him into the inside. Just do that. That's a great idea. You should absolutely <laughs> let him get right. on his. Yeah, yeah. Let him take it on his left. That's that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, I got some other great interplay in here that was happening. Just some really good tiki-taka stuff between the aforementioned top four that was just just fun moments. But we can fast forward to the 79th. I uh, got another Molino. This was, uh, how did it go? It was Bebelo to Gregush as he comes bombing down basically taking the he, he kind of flips with Molino he's a, he's essentially mm-hmm. playing left wing for a second there and makes that cross in where where Molino's now more central and then he's able to score that one as well or did Bebelo get the last tap I can't remember now because Bebelo got the assist so he must have got it he, he must yeah have... it went to it went to Molino uh Reynoso got the secondary assist I think on that one so it was Bebelo Gregush back to Bebelo to Molino right no yeah. no so, it was it was this is the third goal, right? Third goal. Yeah, so it's Bebelo to Gregush, who was making a run on the left. Yep. And then, because we had switched the ball that way, like the whole Colorado, it's like parting of the seas, the whole Colorado went one way, <laughs> and there was like this big, huge channel. And so yeah. then, oh, Gregush just redirected the ball back. And so then everyone had to shift, including the keeper. And then at this point, Molino is making a run, but so is Lude right next to him. Mm-hmm. And Lou just kind of just backs off and said, well, you know, you can take this. And, well, you know, does it and then takes a shot. So that's how it was. Great. That was one of my favorite plays because, like, my thing So, Babello like, doesn't get the assist on this one. I, I think yep. I No, no, it gets the secondary assist. Secondary. Got it. But, yeah. 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 So the reason dope. that, like, we've talked about the, like, these fours, four, um, I was going to say four horsemen, but um, but I was going to say. It's uh, <laughs> good. I, I like it. Four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, these four. Uh, <laughs> attacking players right is like imagine when we in this situation we we entice or we bring up a Gregush or a jacory hayes who already knows how to play with some of these players now you have five attacking players who create just create you know create chaos everywhere they go and that's that's the enticing thing for me is watching to see if that ever will happen because if it does oof it's going to be too much fun to watch mm-hmm uh, there's your final three nil. Oh, we got we got to see Ozzy too, which is actually kind of amazing. It was only for you know five minutes, maybe maybe ten. But uh, all right, if we if we can get a twenty some to a to a full half out of Ozzy, that's that's awesome. More than more than I expected, I suppose. But there's your final three nil, definitive win, solid D, uh, conference semifinal, y'all. First time ever. Boom. <laughs> It's coming. Feels pretty good. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, I put a couple unsung heroes in here as well. We, we've spoken of the, the big names. Harrison was very quiet in, did, in midfield, but I thought he actually did a, a fairly decent job. Um, it's, it's not, he's not going to get like the, the accolades or whatnot, but he was just, just doing his job, uh, funneling the ball, had some really good takeaways. He got fouled pretty hard one time. I, I think mm-hmm. I put in here, it probably should have been a red card. I think remember he got kicked on the ground or something like that again, but wasn't called. Um, and Debassi, Rodrigo mentioned Debassi kind of starting that one goal, uh, uh, moving in uh, or, or moving, yeah, moving in, I suppose you could say, to more of a center back position. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. Solid. So, yeah. Um, anything else on this one? 
let's move on. I'm excited. I mean, SKC, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I did not get to watch this one. We had Portland and Dallas. Again, kind of a, a wild one that went to stoppage time where mm. it looked like Portland was going to win. They, they also scored late. Too, yeah. Take so, it, Rodrigo. Go ahead. No, we were watching it, and it was just like uh, Portland was, was, was playing decently. But a name that we've heard before, Ricardo Pepe, the 17-year-old, tied his game up and like on, on, on speed and run like he he knew what he was doing and um that's one of that's one of the things watching youth be able to and throughout this whole playoffs like we have we have seen debusio score we saw uh caden clark score right and 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 now we see ricardo pepe tie it up for uh fc dallas and it was it was it was a crazy game like there were so many chances um but it was just one of those where, like, they knew that if they were able to to spread them out, uh, Portland, they 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 were they were able to to do some of that. And and um, yeah, I mean, it was it was uh it was a really good game to watch, in a sense. Got boring at times, but then PKs come along, and that's just always yeah. one of those things. So, so this and this one went long. This one went all the way to like seven. And then uh, the Dallas keeper pulls one off. Was it was it the keeper or did they just no no no? So let's get, get let's get this yeah. right. So all the goals happened in the second half. So Villafana, who scored uh, scored in the eighty second minute for Portland, Pepe scored in the ninetieth minute. Mm -hmm. So Villafana comes up to take the PK, and he needs to score in order to keep it going, and he doesn't. So the person who scored the goal at the beginning for Portland ends up not being able to be the hero brutal this one so brutal yeah was that was that a, a keeper stop though or he just like shanks it one direction um i think it was a keeper stop yeah okay yeah pretty huge so that's that's fc dallas over portland there on that one just to just to keep the madness alive i mean we'll look at the table in a little bit here but it's just we, we got to talk about more top seeds falling first because because that's just <laughs> the way this thing works um on the eastern side later in the, in the week on Tuesday, we had I guess we'll do the we'll do them in order here. So Toronto, Nashville. I love Nashville, you guys. I mean, <laughs> what a great story! It, it, kind of a, exactly what we expected, right? It was going to be a boring game. They were going to defend, defend, defend. They were going to absorb Toronto's pressure, and they go all the way ninety minutes, start their extra time. And oh, I put the nut shot in here. <laughs> yeah, there was a brutal. I, I again another one of those penalties that is not called. But the guy, I can't remember who actually does it. But the national player, he's on the ground. He he did a slide tackle. He's stepping over dude, and dude just like up and kicks him right in the junk. Nothing called. Nothing called. So clear. Um, but anyway, we get all the way to extra times, 108th minute, and there are, Nashville is on a break. And Rios shoots, hits the post, follows his shot, and puts in the rebound. There's your only goal. Nashville takes out the uh, number two team, Toronto. Huge. Um, can someone remember who their uh, their DP striker is? Nashville is it? I don't. Is it? I, it's mm, someone look it up. But anyways. Because I watched this game, and 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 because in this household we're Eric Miller fans, and so we, any chance we get to watch an Eric Miller game, I'll watch it, anyways. Even though he didn't get a chance to play, but it was it was like, 
as a, as the gaming grew along, Nashville grew more confidence, and they had so many opportunities to score, and so many of them were outside. And 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 it was one of those where like something's going to happen. Either Toronto is going to score, or or Nashville is going to score and get away with it, right? And so at, at that moment, I think the DP striker shoots the ball, right, and the goalie stops it and blocks it, and then Rios. Who oh, was it a block? I couldn't remember yeah, it was a block, block or a post. A block. Okay. And then Rios, who was who was around the same area, runs to just tap it in. But Rios is also one of the players that was with them in the NASL or the USL league. So he's one of the how how great is it to have a player yeah. who had you you've had for a while? That'd be like for us, Miguel Ibarra scoring a, a game winner in a playoff yeah. game. In a playoff, yeah. That's 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 the and so that was great. And it was it was it was it was and Defense, right? Defense wins it all. So for real, I mean, there the, are so many clears. The immediate sauce on Twitter on social media from Nashville was spectacular too. They changed their uh, their bio to "We have the highest winning percentage in MLS Cup playoffs history." <laughs> I just <laughs> had that one ready to go. Pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'm glad I caught that one and shared it with you all because I was like, so "Wait, good. what?" So good. Also, not a lie. <laughs> no. Uh, so so down goes number two, and it would happen again, uh, this time with number one, Philadelphia, New England. I didn't get a chance to see this one, but I caught the highlights. You got two New England goals in four minutes, and this team that we'd been touting and talking about and saying, oh, Philly's so great, uh, Curtin's so awesome, they, they just couldn't respond. They looked flat. They're out. They're gone. Number one, number two. Adeus. The fighting Bruce You're, Arenas finally yes. got their um, finally got their revenge. Let's uh, because the whole joke was the fact that since they play each other so much, that uh, that um, that you know it was like I think they got ten or twelve points out of playing uh, the Revs so often. So, but no, what well, that that was that was a, uh, but I, I mentioned TJ TJ Buchanan last last time like, and he scored a another young player who's doing great things. I was like. And this is like an inverted right back. Like he usually played mid left wing or midfield or forward, and he just recently started playing right back. And he's been he's been causing problems. But they also have uh, is it uh oh Gil? Is it uh, I forget his name, the DP that just came back, Carl Carl's Carl's Jill? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he, mm-hmm. and he was doing great. So that's 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 another thing. So the fighting Bruce Arenas. Move on to fight again, I guess. Moving on, moving on. Let's do the last one. So we got one more in the West. We had Seattle and LAFC, and the Sounders kind of just lit this one up. Uh, three to one. Lodero, uh, Morris, and I'm, I'm skipping your boy because I want to give you plenty of time to uh, do your uh, golden boot. So hit it. <laughs> um, Before I do that, though, like this was a really interesting game because – even though Seattle was three to one, we were also playing at LAFC with only Vela and Atuesta. Mm-hmm. There was no Rossi and there was no Rodriguez. And so you, you're really thinking about if it was, would have been a full LAFC team, would this really been a three one? And I think it might have been like a three two or like a five four, either way, just the way that they were playing because. Vela was doing some things, but so was Atuesta. And so, but overall, I mean, Rui Diaz golden boot watch. I mean, that, yeah. that was just one of those things that 
it's so effective how each of them how him morris and lodato just just it's like we have our attacking for their attacking threes like they know where they're going to be and, and mind you Rui diaz had a goal but also had a great assist where he drew in the defense and then he just placed it right in front of morris and then morris just went and do what morris does by the way, you got uh, you got David Goss to actually say that on extra time. So well done, Rodrigo. <laughs> you you caught that? I did. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely oh, I, done. I, I think I tweeted at uh, at the extra time handle. I was like, it's like if you don't mention if you don't mention Gold Rudia's Golden Boot, which I'm going to, and then I put three three dots after that. Everybody else was like, "What is what, that? What mean? is that?" And I was like, "I was laughing so hard because Gas was like David Gas, great person." Was like, "I gotta do this for my homie Rodrigo." He's like, he's like "Rudia's Golden Boot Watch," and Andrew Weaver was like, "Yeah, I got that too, but I don't get it." And I was like, <laughs> "So good, oh. take it over." Uh. All right. Well, here's here's our table then. So let's see. Tomorrow, in fact, on on rabbit ears, I'm excited about that. On regular ABC, we'll we'll have a Gallesilis Orlando against uh, New England. Uh, how you feel about that one? You think they can do it without him, Rodrigo? Without Peru? I don't know. I mean, I think that's a tough one for um, because Ron's also out with the red card, right? Because he. Right. So you you talk about. No Ruan and no Gallese, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think so. It takes it makes very tough. I think New England is coming in, um, fighting on firing an all cylinder. They're just playing <laughs> well. Right. Yeah, you know th- this is this is the playoff in the postseason of of momentum and confidence because then the other one is uh, Columbus, who apparently I thought it was four, but now maybe six uh, COVID uh, positive people out. Versus a Nashville again on fire with with that confidence and that momentum, I, it would be it would be somewhat poetic and perfect if if the uh, if at least one of these uh, these expansion teams were able to get in here. So you know, it'd be pretty awesome to see Nashville as a finalist. Um, on the other side, we've got Dallas and Seattle, and then the one we'll talk about briefly here: we'll Minnesota United. As usual, SKC, how you guys feeling? Wednesday, 8 o'clock. It's going to be a late game. Yeah. That's that's, that's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, oh, good. So I don't have to pirate stream it for you. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. I still want to watch. I'll, I'll, I'll stay up. I'll stay up. <laughs> um, so we have to assume that, you know, SKC being a better team, they're they're really going to target Reynoso, I would imagine. So what's kind of the strategy, knowing that they're going to have at least two or three sets of eyes on him at all times? I don't know, Bridget. I mean, people have been doing that the last four games. So <laughs> it's like we've yet to find someone who, who can cancel out Reynoso unless it's by injuring yeah, him. They're, so They're going to keep trying and kicking at him and see if he finally goes down once, but... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that front four mixed up just a little bit, if it means uh, kind of shuffle, even just shuffling them around, just rotating the floor. Um, but I would think now that everyone's seen what these four can do, game in, game out, it's been a whole two games. Uh, I think maybe we'd mix it up a little bit. Hopefully mix think- up that back line a little bit too. But Okay. Well, Matt and Air, assuming 
he'll be back, right? So I, I would I would just guess yeah. that he would probably he get would, the start. He should be back there. Um, hopefully get to so, Bossy out of that center back role. But right, so he might move over, and then maybe Dotson gets back into the midfield. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like if Ozzy can play, well, that's the question. What do you do? I, do you bring a Do you bring an Ozzy for for forty minutes? I don't. Th- I don't know really. If or or play. when? When do you bring him in? Is is he better to start or maybe better to come in like second half? If he's depends if you're winning. Half. If you're winning, then you bring him in, yeah. right? We, I mean, we know he can't do like more than forty minutes. Well, that's us. I mean, Heath might try it, but um, oh, depending on where that back line is at, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, to see Heath start him. But considering how he is with like early subs or subs in general not wanting to make them, I don't see him. You know, just putting Ozzy in for a little bit and then pulling him. I would yeah. think maybe a super sub, depending on how the game goes. Okay. Um, depending on how those first 40, 60 minutes, but right. It's that... I mean, I have what I logically would think that they would do, and then there's Heath. So no yeah. tactics. No tactics. <laughs> no tactics. Uh Rodrigo Sheila, who wins this thing? What do, what do you guys think? Um I think it's gonna be close. I think um I think either a two one or we go to PKs. Mm. And then then and then um how to put DSC in a situation that's a lot of learning to do in one half a season. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. but regardless, I mean the whole thing is like we always want to be better and do better, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And last year we hosted, we were number four and we hosted a playoff and we lost. And this year we made it one more, one more round. And I think as soon as you keep on improving little by little, uh, and this team will get better with the amount of players that they have. Specifically, imagine a full season of Reynoso. If this kid, yeah, we're gonna have. Be... Go ahead. No, I'm saying if he doesn't become the assist leader or winner, you know, then there's something wrong with with this league. I was just gonna say we're gonna have Adrian Heath for another decade. <laughs> It's gonna be Adrian Heath until well, my beard I mean, is fully gray. I mean, it's been a it's been a hate love relationship, so those things usually kind of last. Will be, he'll be the reason it goes fully gray, actually. <laughs> um, if he grows a mullet like say? Maradona when he was co- he was coaching the national team, and he grows that beard out, then maybe, just maybe. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say this. I think I think it's gonna be feisty. I think we might see at least one, maybe two red cards. Um, and I think it goes to not PKs, but maybe it's one, one, and goes to extra time. And to quote the Dave's, I know Robin fucking Lud. <laughs> I think he puts it in, in the 100 and something, 107, you know, I, say that. I wouldn't be surprised to see it end like, uh, the first MLS is back game against Kansas city, which was, you know, pretty even and just got a little chippy back and forth. And then, mm-hmm. you know last minute something crazy happens yeah Yeah. Um, god i hope it doesn't go to pks not i mean what are the chances malia could do that for the third time two consecutive weeks but well that's that's going on on wednesday so we will uh react to that next week and it's kind of see where we're at before we kind of close this section out u.s women play yesterday and we're spectacular in typical fashion i i think the one of the biggest highlights of this whole thing was uh, Crystal Dunn put out a really powerful statement for 
Black Lives Matter and, and their uh, representation of the movement. And then they came out with these awesome custom warmups that all said Black, Black Lives Matter on them. They're really sharp, really cool. All took a knee in solidarity. And it seemed like it was, oh, Rodrigo saying something. Go ahead. Not, not all of them took a knee. Who didn't take a knee? Uh, Ertz, Ertz and, and uh, O'Hara. Oh, O'Hara. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I guess I missed that. All right. They, they're the two who uh, they didn't kneel last time around either, or the right. end of the the uh, end of USL version of MLS is back. Ah, so we go into the whole mess again. But well, all right. I, I stand corrected. Thank you for that. Most of them kneel. I, I just appreciated that. I thought that the, the warm-ups were really dope to, to bring that out and, and see most of them take the knee. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say was pretty, pretty balanced match for like the first half an hour back and forth. This is, a, this is a repeat basically of the final world cup final with Netherlands and similar to that repeat Rose Lavelle scored in the first one and she did it again. Uh, 42nd minute cutting in from the right. Very, very Robin Lud esque goal. Uh, cutting from the right, shooting left. And it, I think the, the goal is spectacular. I mean, this is one of those that almost looks like it's going to burn through the goal. She hit it with so much yep. power. It was such a strong shot. But on the replay, you got a look of the defender, the the uh, Dutch defender. As soon as, like we talked about, like she takes her the wrong way and sees that shift on her left foot. And you can just see in her eyes, she's like, God damn it. <laughs> I just gave this to her again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she knew that as soon as that that foot shifted, she she just knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ouch. <laughs> Here's a couple of things that I I watched and I was thinking about. Um, overall, like yes, both teams were rusty, and you could totally tell their passes weren't crisp, and the use of space wasn't as crisp. Um, and you know, had Alex Morgan. The whole thing was about Alex Morgan having her first. You know. First uh, official play since the world, last World Cup. So the thing, the thing for me is like, why is always Christine Press the first one to come off the freaking field? <laughs> Every time they take off Press, and I was like, that's your best score. Seriously, why do you take off Press? Like, take anyone else. It's like, in, in this case, I would have been take off Lynn Williams. Because hmm. Lynn had so many opportunities to put the ball in and just wasn't connecting. Right, and if we're going into a World Cup or I mean uh, uh, an Olympics, right? I was like, you need more defenders than you do midfield and forwards at this point, as you think about it, right? Because Tina Davison, we don't know when she's coming back or if. Um, and yeah, I mean, Lynn Williams for me is a is is the odd person out in this in this equation. If you're going to take Alex, right? But because uh, Kristen Press had a couple of good plays, um, Tobin Heath was Tobin Heath creating opportunities and being feisty. Um, I really um, enjoyed watching just um, Rose Lavelle is always fun to watch, but mm-hmm. but it's just the play the, the the play that that's going on and 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 just Crystal Dunn was from the the magic for me watching Crystal He's play. Awesome out of position right because she doesn't usually play for that, uh, that position like she's been a assist no she's just won scoring titles so there is a 
I, I put it out on our social media, but there's a spectacular interview with her from the Burning All Down crew, and she's a smart cookie. She had some really interesting things to say. Very smart. Um, we should mention 70th minute. Uh, Muez puts another one in, uh, a nice header off a nice little flick. So there's your final 2-0 U.S. women doing what they do. Looking good. Let's wrap this thing up. I know we're going, I don't want to take it much longer because we gave it the Maradona thing. I just want to mention a couple little things I'll burn through here. This is big personally for me. Goyaz actually won. Let me repeat that. Goyaz <laughs> won. And it was a big game. They played Palmeiras, who are in the top five. So this right. is like the Battle this of the Verdome. It's huge. So you had the two green teams, the Battle of the Verdome. And they get this great counterattacking goal. Um, that that's your final one nil. But what, what's what's so funny about this is if you pull up the table, because we're still the Lanterna and we're still 20 out of 20 and the rock bottom, you can't get where Palmeiras is, like number five and Goyaz, number 20, in the same screen. Because <laughs> there's too much space. <laughs> but a, a big win nonetheless for the for the team. And they and they recently tied again this week. So we haven't lost now in a week and a half, which is something to build on, baby. <laughs> something to build on <laughs> little little things baby steps baby steps there's other stuff here we'll skip champions league um, i wanted to mention just related to uh maradona um and boca tevez uh he he put out that he's going to be retiring and it'll be interesting to see what he does with his uh his footballing post player life whether he becomes a coach or wherever he goes um there was libertadores happen i don't think there were any big surprises there uh, maybe just Atletico Paranaense tying with River. That'd be the one to mention. But I wanted to go to things that happened today because apparently there was some interesting, again, last minute weirdness. Bridget, I'm going to throw this to you because uh, our, our patron and uh, awesome friend of the, of the podcast here, Mr. Zeller, puts out the question, Klopp. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> the question. Um, Liverpool basically had this thing in the bag. And then, if I'm not mistaken, a penalty in stoppage time for Brighton. Yes, it was a late, late penalty. Um, Brayden easily converted, so it went 1-1. Um, it did go to VAR before the penalty was awarded, obviously, uh, and VAR decided it, it was indeed a foul. Um, it, I mean, it could have gone either way for me. I wasn't watching the game, but I've watched the replay a couple times. Um, and then what happened post game? Because everybody was commenting on the that, on the Klopp yeah, interview. That, Go ahead. That was the that was the big thing, um, and I I retweeted it. It's about eight and a half minutes long, the the full interview. Um, but the key thing, uh, Milner went out with a, what looks like a hamstring injury. Um, so the reporter asks him about that, and Klopp says, "Well, yep, hands hamstring. Congratulations." And the reporters says what me personally you're congratulating me because your guy pulled a hammy and he went on a, a um we've we've heard this before but he went on a little bit of a rant about the scheduling um of the fixture list this season uh they just played a, a champions league match on wednesday and then go from a wednesday match straight to a 12 30 time slot on saturday um, and it's not the first time that they've been stuck with that schedule, uh, but it's he, you know, kept going on about how tough it is on the players, and he's not just worried about his players; he's worried about everyone. Um, and all those teams have seen injuries after that, uh, so he he took it out on the reporter a little bit, but 
um, just because the reporter happened to be the one asking the question. Um, but he was, you know, and the reporter went, went for it. He said, you know, we, we have these meetings with, with the league, we have these meetings with the broadcasters. Uh, there was a contract that was agreed to that you're going to get these time slots, that you're going to play these close matches um, on a tight schedule. And that's kind of the way things are. You know, you have extra subs, you can do what you need to do. Uh, could he have avoided a couple injuries this season by subbing out his key players sooner? Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know, you shouldn't have to make those subs just in order for your players to survive a season, which I think was Clapp's point. Um, so it's kind of a heated interview, but the, he actually knows the reporter pretty well. So they can, he's got a little bit more of a license to kind of go at it with him. So, um, but yeah, it was an interesting interview. So if you watch the whole thing, I think I retweeted it, but I'll post it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a thing that most leagues are dealing with this season. We've had the same conversation in, in relation to MLS as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, those for sure. really tight schedules and, you know, managing minutes and, uh, preventing injuries is uh, much more difficult this year than it has been in a normal league. Very true. All right, partners. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Bridget, as always, Sheila was here for a little while. Um, she, I think she went on a bike ride, which sounds pretty good. I think I might do that as well. Um, what I wanted to mention to you before we sign off, I think if anybody wants to put any more bonus Maradona content up on, on the Patreon, by all means, some things might show up there. Uh, beer is getting closer. We're beer. on the way there. Mm. Yep, yep. There's going to be four. Well, there's like I said, two beers and two variations. So basically, four beers. So it's coming, along with the wine, um, and that's about all I got. Patreon.com/backslash Minnesota Football Show. Thank you all. Obrigado. Bye bye. Bye.